Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. So if you've got your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to turn with me to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, and we're going to begin there about middle way to the latter part of that chapter, uh, looking at a text. And uh, just a couple of setups while you're going along the way. First of all, I want to say thank you uh, to Pastor Lisa for her obedience to the Lord last weekend and sharing that amazing word. And what an awesome time we had together in the house last week. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Um, but as you're turning to Numbers chapter 13, I just want to ask you a couple of guiding questions to kind of season your thoughts here. Uh, number one, how many, I want to see how many people I have expectant in the house today. Uh, and expectant, by that I mean expectant for the promises of God to come to fruition and fulfillment in your heart and your life. How many, how many expectant folks, how many of you are looking for God to do something amazing in your life, in your circumstance? Amen. Amen. That's good. That's good. You're, you're at the right place here this morning. And uh, I believe that we should live with an expectancy that God is going to do something in our lives. I believe that we should live with the expectancy uh, of, of belief generated by that word that we cited earlier that says that all of the promises of God are yes and in Christ Jesus, amen. That every word that's been spoken over my life is true. That the promises of God are unfailing and they are for you and I today. So, if you've got your spot there in Numbers 13, if you're not familiar with this passage, I uh, want to give you a brief run-up here, and then you'll maybe jump on board with us. But in your own spare time, I challenge you to read especially the latter portion of the book of Genesis, most all of the book of Exodus. And um, if you want to, you know, maybe, maybe, I'm not suggesting this fully, but I'm saying if you're unfamiliar with the narrative, maybe skip over Leviticus because there's some stuff in there that you might have a lot of questions about. Um, but then you'll find yourself in numbers here. And in the course of this, God has found his people to be living in the bondage of Egypt. They're living enslaved in Egypt, and they're crying out to God because of the harshness of their conditions and circumstances, and they're praying that God would deliver them. Well, God raises up a deliverer uh, by the name of Moses who comes and begins to lead these people on a journey uh, from their land of captivity to what we call the promised land, the land of promise, Canaan's land. It's a good land. It's described as a land that flows with milk and honey. And God said, I'm going to bring you up out of this place of bondage, and I'm going to take you to a place of bounty. Somebody say amen. Amen. He says, I'm going to take you out of the bondage. I'm going to lead you to bounty, uh, but you've just got to walk with me and trust in me and live expectant on me and so we come here to numbers chapter 13 and we find this group of people here um, in the in the bordering area of their land of promise I was watching a uh, I, I'm always amazed as I watch our wonderful worship team here week to week and I, I'm just overwhelmed with the talent that's here and, and what these people are capable of uh, doing week after week after week I saw a video 
uh, the other day. Um, I, I have, if you walk in my office, there are several guitars hanging on the wall. And um, I, I love the idea, I romance the idea of being a guitarist. Um, but I'm not. I can hold a few chords. It's strictly rhythm. I don't want to make it cry or sing. And, you know, it just, I, I like the idea. But I saw a video the other day that described me to a T, and it said, you know, the larger percentage of guitar players reach the intermediate state and they never go any further. And of course, they wanted to sell you a, a video series to help you get beyond the intermediate state. And I realized, in, not just in that moment, but I, I made the parallel in my mind to say that, you know, I believe there are a lot of people who walk with God and they believe there's a bountiful place and they believe there's a place of fullness for them, but in their walk with the Lord, they only ever seem to get so far. They only ever seem to get to the intermediate state. They only ever seem to get to the border of that bountiful promise that God has for them. And somewhere along the way, they just kind of stall out and they live there with a sense of discouragement and defeat and despondency, never able to cross the border and lay claim to the promises of God for their lives to walk in that fullness, to walk in the abundance, to walk in the favor, the blessing, the full measure that God has prepared for them. And I want to talk to you today about possessing the promise. Because here we find a group of people, they've been delivered out of their captivity, they've been led to the cusp of their promise, but yet they're not able for specific reasons to go in and possess the thing that God has promised them. Numbers chapter 13, we're going to pick it up here in verse 25. Uh, some, some spies, Moses has sent some spies in to check out the land, to scope it out, to bring back a report. You know the story, uh, if you're familiar with this story at all, you know that 10 of those spies came back and they had a negative report about the land and two of them came back and had a very positive and glowing report, said it's a great, it's exactly everything, let's go up at once and lay, take hold of the land and take possession thereof. And the 10 said, no, we're not. So this is kind of where we are. And we pick this narrative up here in verse 25. It says, and they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and they came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. This is perplexing to me. It is perplexing to me what comes next because here they come and they have evidence in hand of the bounty of the land. They, they come back with the fruit of the land. In other words, they say, we've been over there. We've got the evidence that there is where we belong. But yet, here come, here it comes. It says, then they told them, we went into the land where you sent us. And listen to this. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. This is, the, we went there, this is... It's just like we were promised. Now, now, they know at this point that they're not pursuant of a fantasy. 
They're not, they're not chasing down a pipe dream, as it were. They know this is a reality because all through this Exodus, if you go back and read this story, oftentimes they, they were crying out to Moses and saying, what, what did you bring us out here in the wilderness to die? Were there no graves in Egypt that you needed to bring us out in the desert to, for us to die? Did you bring us out here to starve? At least we had food back there. And what they've realized here in this moment is that what God has promised them, yes, it's been a long way across the wilderness from where we were to where we are. It's been a hard passage, but God has been with us because if God brings us to it, he will see us through it. And God has brought us here to the cusp of our promise today. And we've seen that it's not a fantasy, that it is a reality. Reality. It is a real place, and not only is it a real place, but it has also lived up to everything that we've been told about it. Nevertheless, the people, they continue. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. So they recognize here that there's going to be a struggle along the way. And that's okay lest you become disillusioned and misinformed by your misinformation. Understand this, that, you know, anything worth having is worth struggling for. Anything worth having is worth struggling for. And there's nothing inherently wrong now with the information that's being given to this point. It's not wrong to look at the realities of life and say, you know what, I realize that there are going to be some difficulties ahead. I know that there are going to be some rough patches in the road. I know that there are going to be some places where we feel like giving up and turning around, but we've got to keep our eyes on the prize. We've got to keep moving forward because he who has promised us is faithful. We've been in. We've seen the land. We've surveyed that surely it is a land that flows with me. There's nothing wrong to this point. Some folks fool themselves. I, I'm a realist. I, I'm a realist. I believe that reality is a wonderful place to start. Any conversation, any project, any, any effort, any motion, I believe that reality, let's not fool ourselves, right? Let, let's start where reality is. Because when we deal with reality, it helps us to clearly see our need of God. It helps us to know what's ahead lest we become discouraged when we meet adversaries because as we become pursuant and more so of the things of God, we will meet adversaries. And some folks fool themselves by believing that following after God is going to put them on the path of ease and all of their troubles are going to go away, and that's just not the case. And they continue here, and it says, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses, and he said, Let us go up at once and take possession. You, you follow this now. We've seen it. It's everything that we were promised. Everything, it, here's the fruit, here's the evidence. 
They came back and they bore the evidence and said, here's the evidence of everything that God has said about this land. Yep, there's some obstacles in the way. There's some challenges. There are giants there. Their cities are fortified. And Caleb says, great, in the power of God, let's go and take the land at once. Let's go and take possession because we are well able to overcome it, not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. Caleb speaks here and says, we are well able to overcome it. Let us go up at once. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able. We are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we I want to remind you, church, greater is he that is in you than he that's in this world. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in this world. But here they are. Now, here's where the information that's been shared becomes problematic. Because it's always a problem when the facts of the matter outweighs the faith of the matter. I'm going to say that again. It's always a problem when the facts of the matter outweigh the faith of the matter. Because God is never going to lead you to anything worthwhile, worth having, worth obtaining, that somewhere along the way you're not going to run into some contrary facts, some things that bear witness against, that testify against the power of God in your life to be able to bring to fruition the things that he has promised. And when the facts of the matter begin to outweigh the faith of the matter, you're going to have a problem. Most of our stress and anxieties come from this phenomenon, that we too often value the facts of the matter above the faith of the matter. Most of our foolish decisions are birthed out of this very thing. This is the single greatest reason that we don't walk in the fullness of everything that God has afforded to us is because we let the fact of the matter outweigh the faith of the matter. We say, God, I understand what you want to do in my life. I understand how you desire to work in my situation. I, I see how you've worked in the lives of other, but others, but the fact of the matter is I cannot see beyond the trial that I'm facing. I cannot see beyond the obstacle in my way. I cannot see beyond the odds. And when we allow the facts of the matter to outweigh the faith of the matter, we'll only ever loosely handle the promise of God, but we'll never fully possess it. When we allow the facts of the matter to outweigh the faith of the matter, we will only ever loosely handle the promises of God, but we will never fully possess them. Numbers 13, 32 it says this, and it, it gets worse from here. This, this situation disintegrates pretty quickly here. It says, And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they'd spied out. Now I want you to note the irony here. They, they start off, they come back, they say, Here's the evidence, here's the fruit of everything that God has promised us it's just the way that we've been promised that it would be. But now, 
I'm no longer talking about the obstacles in the way. I'm no longer talking about the difficulties that we've got to overcome to get into the land of promise and take possession of it. I'm just going to tell you this is a bad deal all the way around. It's a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom saw it in it were men of great stature. First they began citing the obstacles that were in the way, and now they're gone as far as, they've gone as far as giving a bad report of the land. This is no longer about the trials and adversities that they might encounter along the way. This is, this is about their belief that God's promises were not for them. This, this is about that they have made an estimate of the promise of God and said, you know what, it's not even worth the struggle. After all, it, it looks some kind of way, but the truth of the matter is we, we're not even sure that it's for us. I'm reminded of Peter on the day of Pentecost when he was preaching there and they were sharing about what went on in the upper room acts chapter 2 if you want to read that the word says when the day of pentecost was fully come they were in one place with one accord and there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them divided tongues like as a fire and set upon each of them and they began to speak with tongues as the spirit gave the utterance and there were in that city men from all over every place who had come home to jerusalem and when they heard it they said what's going on in there and Peter said this is what has been promised by God the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and it's not just for us in this room but it's for you and your children and your children's children and as many as are afar off the promise of God is yes and in Christ Jesus amen And, and now they're saying that what God has promised is not worth the struggle. And here we come to verse 33. And they said, there we saw giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Now, in this text, we read some of the most tragic words in Scripture. Delivered from the bondage of Egypt and led to the border of the fullness of God's promise for their lives, they are not only on the border, but they have also beheld the promise. Not only have they beheld the promise with their eyes, but they've also held it in their hands. They've done everything short of possessing the promise. They're in that intermediate state, but they're not going to break the plane of the border and go in and possess their land because of three very significant things. And I believe the same three significant things that hindered these people 
people from going in and taking possession of their promise are three very real and significant things in the lives of a lot of believers that keep them in an intermediate state of following God, hung up in the boredom of religion, of going to church week in and week out and never experiencing the fullness of what God has for them, never walking in victory, never having joy unspeakable and full of glory and the peace of God that passes all understanding. Because we can't get beyond these few things and go in and take possession of what God has for us. We can't rise up with a tenacity and a spiritual fortitude to say no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. There's no devil in hell that can hold me back or keep me from what my God has said I can have and what my God has said I can do and who my God has said I can be. And there are three mistakes here that the majority has made that we must be careful to not make in our own lives if we desire to possess the abundance of God's blessings in our own lives. Number one, we need to check our perspective. Numbers 13, 33, I direct your attention back there again, and they said, there we saw giants. The issue is not that they saw giants, But the issue is that their perspective was such that once they saw giants, they could no longer see with clarity the promise of God that stood right before them. Just on the other side, just over the giant's shoulder, was a land that was flowing with milk and honey and the abundance of God's blessing. And they said, we we don't even see it anymore. Listen, recognizing the obstacles, we've already covered this, recognizing the obstacles in front of you is one thing, but allowing them to eclipse your view of the goodness and the power and the blessing of God is another. When the promises of God have become so obscured by the obstacles in front of you that you can't see them anymore, it's time for a renewed perspective. We need a renewed perspective. I was, I was thinking how grateful I am for this time together that you and I are sharing this morning. I feel oftentimes like Asaph in the 73rd Psalm when I come in on Sunday morning. You know, we see so many things going on in the world around us, and Asaph similarly had observed so many things in the world around him. And he said, you know what, I have become like downcast, and my steps, I was about to backslide, honestly, is what he's saying here. My steps were were almost gone. My feet had almost slipped when I beheld the prosperity of the wicked, he says. But then he said, but I, I went into the sanctuary, I went in the sanctuary and I had, a, I had a change of perspective. I had a renewed perspective and then I understood their end and then I realized the blessing and the favor of God in my own life and I understood that the struggle and the strain was worth it to walk in the promise of the fullness of God's blessing. We've got to check our perspective. When the mountain in front of you seems bigger than the God inside of you, it's time to readjust your perspective. 
Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus to have a renewed, spirit-illuminated perspective of the situations that they faced in life. Ephesians chapter 1, if you want to follow along here with me this morning, beginning in verse 15, it says this, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of glory may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Your hope is not in the mountain in front of you. Your hope is not in the giant that stands before you. But the hope that you have is in Christ Jesus who goes before you and is behind you and beside you and all around you. that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards those of us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power, might and dominion, and every name that is named not only in this age but also in that which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Listen today, people of God. I don't care what you're facing, what obstacles in your way, what giant is taunting, what what mountaintop is looming I'm here to tell you today that there's a power of God that is available to you today in Christ Jesus in the power and person of the Holy Spirit that you will be made more than a conqueror you will be a climber you will be victorious you will stand with the head of your adversary and progress to the promises of God Amen. number two we need to check ourselves. Now, I'm not fixing to go ice cube on you here this morning, but you need to check yourself. They said there we saw giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. Proverbs 20, 23, verse 7 says this, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And I want to ask you a very searching question here, and we're not going to linger long on this point at all, but simply suffice to say, do you see yourself as victorious through Christ Jesus? Do you see yourself as victorious through Christ Jesus? Some of y'all seeing yourselves as sleepy right now. I got to be honest, I see some of y'all as grumpy, but... Do you see yourself as victorious in Christ Jesus? Do you, do you see yourself as anointed by the Holy Spirit, as Pastor Lisa shared last week? Do you see your, or, or, or do you see yourself as pitiful, broken, and a victim? 
Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Do you see, however, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made? Do you see that you are loved by the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Do you see that you have been made more than a conqueror? How do you see yourself? Because when they saw themselves before their adversary, they didn't see themselves as mighty through God. But they saw themselves defeated. They saw themselves incapable. They saw themselves as weak. Except for a couple of guys who said, no, 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 we're, we're able. We're able. We're able because God and us constitutes the majority. We, we don't care what the fact of the matter. The fact of the matter is that there's more of them than there is of us. But the faith of the matter says that me and God are the majority here in this situation. And if he said it, I believe it, and I'm going to go for it because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Number three, we need to check our suspicions. There we saw the giants. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. That's how we saw ourselves, just like a bug. I mean, the giants were just going to squash us. And they continue here. And so we were in their sight. Well, how did they know that? Did somebody from the other camp, as a matter of fact, they were spies. I, I would understand that by virtue of the term spy that you were running a covert operation that nobody really knew what you were doing there. So consequently, I wouldn't think that anybody would walk up to them and say, hey, spy, undercover guy, you look like a grasshopper to me. You understand that if you bring your troop up in here, we're going to squash you and run you out of town. Nobody told them this. They assumed, they were suspect that we feel some kind of way about ourselves and surely because we feel this way about ourselves, this must be the way our adversary views us too. This must be the way our adversary... I, I love that line from Pastor Lisa's message last week that says in your 20s you were worried about what everyone else thinks and in your 40s you don't care what anyone else thinks and by your 60s you begin to realize they weren't thinking about you to begin with. And if I could share something with you today, I would have you understand that suspicion is not a spiritual gift. We, we've got too many people in the body of Christ with the, with the gift of suspicion. And they operate in the gift of suspicion. And as a matter of fact, it's quite the opposite because suspicion can become the tie that binds. I don't know how many people I know personally who are held back from walking in the fullness of what God has for them because they have concerns about someone else's opinion about them. I, I can't do that because I, I'm going to stand up here in front of everybody else and I know what everybody else is going to be thinking about me doing that. 
I can't serve over. Pastor, I'd love to serve over there, but I know there's some people who wouldn't like it. Well, do you know that? Or is that your gift of suspicion getting away with you? Huh? Suspicion can become the tie that binds. Listen, nobody else has called you, and no, you won't be accountable to, to anyone else for the call and the gift of God on your life. You are not going to be accountable to anybody else for your stewardship of the promises of God. Quit living in suspicion about what everybody else might think or say about you. I'm a pastor. Welcome to the club. Okay, people talk, but that does not negate the call and the purpose and what God has for us. Amen? Amen. Listen, it's a hazard to our mental, emotional, and spiritual state to constantly evaluate ourselves on what we suspect that someone else is thinking about us. Can I heal you some right now in the name of Jesus? I, I, just, I want to set you free right now in the name of Jesus. And with that, I just bid you release all of your suspicions about what somebody else is thinking about you or what they, how they view you. Just let it go in Jesus' name. Let it go and be free in the name of Jesus. If you're not in the habit of doing so, I would strongly suggest that you take notice of that habit and combat it with a more reliable source. What has God said about you? Listen, we live, we live so oftentimes in the suspicion of what we think somebody else has said about us, somebody else who can do nothing to affect or impact our destiny, somebody else who can do nothing to bring our promises to fruition, somebody else who cannot provide our need according to their riches and glory, somebody else who has no spirit with which to anoint us and endue us with power, but we live in suspicion of what they might think about us Meanwhile, we have the written promise of God that tells us what he has thought about us, and we have the fact of the matter here, and we need to walk in faith in what has been shared about us and not a suspicion of what we think somebody else might be thinking about us. So there's a hazard here, and I want to invite you to stand there's a hazard associated with teaching from these historical narratives. Especially, especially for those of us that grew up in church and we've heard this story. How many of you have heard this story since a child? Yeah. You, you remember the little flannel graphs with the guys coming back with the big tags of grape and everything, you know, they're strutting in, they got the stuff. You, you remember all that. Here's the hazard that's associated with that. We know, we know the story, and, and we begin just to go ahead and get ahead of things. And yeah, we, we know that in this particular instance that these people did this thing, and God reacted this way. 
And, and what we do is we remove ourselves from that. You know, God punished these people by not allowing that generation to enter into the promised land. And we separate ourselves from that text and we say, that's what God did to them. Well, I'm not them and I don't live in that time. I don't even live under the same dispensation of God's dealing with people. So I don't, I'm, I'm not going to put myself there. But because that was then, and that was them, but this is us right now. And the word says in Numbers 14, beginning in 22, if you just flip one page over, it says, because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these 10 times have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. In other words, they'll never possess the promise. They've heard about the promise. They've seen the manifestation of the promise. They've observed the fruit. They've loosely held to the promise, but they're never going to go in and take the possession of the promise. What you and I have to understand today, church, is this is not simply the pronouncement of a punitive action taken against these people, but this is a conveyance of a spiritual principle for all people. They didn't see God as bigger than their obstacles. They didn't see themselves as strengthened through the power of God to be able. They didn't see themselves. They didn't value God's estimation of them above the opinion of others. And they did not possess the promise. And I want to submit to you today, that's why a lot of us don't walk in the promises of God. is because we allow too many obstacles to obscure our view of the promises of God. We, we see ourselves some other way as defeated, discouraged, despondent, anxious, depressed, whatever you want to label it as. We see ourselves in that way a victim. And then we value everybody, what everybody else thinks, so much higher than what God has said about us. And I'm telling you, it'll keep you out of the promised land. It will keep you out of the fullness. To possess your promise, you must believe that he who has promised you is faithful. It doesn't matter how big the mountain in your way, how big the giant you know what David said? I, I've, I've seen God move in my life. I've slain the bear with my own hands. I've slain the lion with my own hands. And this uncircumcised Philistine is going to be nonetheless because he comes to me with a spear and a sword. But I'm coming to him in the name of the Lord my God. And today I know that God is going to grant me the victory and I'm going to stand in my promise today. You've got to believe that you are who he has said you are. You've got to believe that no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. But God is going to see you through. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Give the Lord praise this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you bow your heads this morning? I want to tell you today that God has a promise for you. 
If you're in this place today and you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, I want to tell you today that eternity in the presence of the Almighty has been promised us. It's a place called heaven. Its splendor is indescribable in the human dialect. We don't have any words to adequately do it justice. On the flip side of that, there's a place of torment that's been prepared for the devil and his angels. And sin binds us and sin destines us for a place apart from the presence of God for all eternity. But Jesus Christ has come and he has given his life for us that anyone who receives him would not perish but have life everlasting. And today I want to invite you to know my Savior. If you're here today in this place or you're watching online, I want to encourage you that today is the day of salvation and you can begin today walking in a brand new relationship with Jesus Christ. And you can begin walking in a brand new promise for your life. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us and we hope you have a blessed day.